0: Hello, women of God, this is Erica and Nurse and we want to welcome you to the Upstream Pursuit podcast, the leadership podcast for Christian women going against the current.
1: Last week, we were asked to share 21 things we learned in our 20s, and I have to say, I had so much fun taking a walk through memory lane. I really did.
0: Yes, it was so fun. We talked about a lot of the things that we learned that have impacted us and also brought us to a place where we are now and who we are now. But we thought it might be good to elaborate on who we are more specifically in Christ this week.
1: Yes, and I've been thinking a lot, you know, ever since we decided we were going to talk about this topic, I've been thinking a lot about all the things that make me who I am, right? And I'm sure Mm -hmm. that there's a more scientific, bio-cycle, social explanation for one. Whoa, is that
0: even a word? I think it is, but I'm not sure. Mm, All right. Somebody Google that. But yeah.
1: (laughs) No, but I'm sure that there's one of those things, right? But I've been thinking a lot about, you know, again, what makes me, me? And I know for me, you know, my racial, ethnic, and cultural identity really shapes a lot of the things that I think and do. Also, my military veteran status shapes a lot of how I think and lead. Yeah. And my experiences have shaped a lot of the decisions that I make, and also shapes the relationships that I have and the relationships that I pursue. So some of those are some of the things that I've been thinking of. But what about you? Have you thought of uh, some of the things that make
0: you you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like. Like I would identify the most as a wife and a mom, um, and then perhaps I would say maybe as a leader because of my my position in that I lead a team, and then maybe like a daughter because like I'm a daughter of a pastor of a bilingual church, and that has really shaped a lot of how I think and make decisions and kind of how I've lived and shaped really. A, a lot of my upbringing. That's really
1: interesting. And it, and it makes perfect sense. Um, you know, I was also thinking about some of the personality traits or even the patterns of feelings, ideas, uh, thoughts, behaviors that make us unique. Um, is there a personality trait that makes you, you? If that makes sense? I would say probably
0: um, efficient, practical, straightforward.
1: You're definitely straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also say, you know, like when I think Erica, right, like, I would also say you're really decisive, which I'm totally not. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I am for some things, but I'm not for other things. Um, I would say something that I would say, I think that most people that know you would say is like, you're quirky would they really we love that about you yeah and um whereas I think like I'm definitely not decisive I feel like I'm always like what should we do I would say I'm the way I would describe myself would be more like forgiving I'm really demanding I I realize that I'm honest and loyal I get that a lot and you know I've told you that I've stayed with companies for like Ever. Ever, just because I'm so loyal to brands and I'm so loyal to people. Yes. Um, but I would say apart from Christ, is there an identity that you
0: resonate with most? Hmm. I think apart from Christ, I would resonate most with, again, in this season as a mother, you know, more so because it's what mm. I find myself relating to the most with others right now and therefore seems to be a large part of my roles and yeah. responsibilities I'm not sure if that would be identity, but that's what I think of.
1: Yeah, I've been trying to figure out which part of my identity I resonate with the most too. You know, and it's so interesting because in other seasons of my life, I think I would have said ethnicity and gender. But now I feel like it's mostly veteran status. Like I had this realization recently that my military experiences have shaped my personality and also my worldview a lot more than sometimes I give it credit. Mm. You know, the first thing I learned in the Air Force was the Air Force core values. And um. Ooh, what are they? And so I don't know. Yeah. Well, integrity's integrity first, service before self and excellence. No, <laughs> we do. <laughs>
0: Oh, look we at had you to recite
1: them every morning. Gold stars. You guys get gold stars. <laughs> we did. But you know what? And so I don't know if I already had these things that led me to make that path or um, and so, you know, my ex- military experience has just affirmed it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for instance, integrity, I would say it's a super, super important characteristic of me and for me I think just being honest is really important we Be, even before Christ I've always been like that um I also say I'm service oriented but again you know I don't know if that's something that I learned in the military because I feel like joining the military in itself was an act of service so maybe that altruisticness in me mm-hmm. was already there and then I would also say um Excellence, right? So you know, when I said earlier that I'm super demanding, I like things done well, or as you know, to the best of my capacity to the best of the people, the capacity of the leaders that, I, that I'm leading. And so I would say, you know, those are a, a bit part of it. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, me, would you say that that's accurate?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think when I think of you, I think of how your thought process works and your explanations are always very insightful. And you're quick at it, too, which is one of the many reasons why I love you as a co-host, because my brain does not work that quickly. Um, but you also find the good in people. and. Um. It's really, it seems like it's really easy for you. And then you also say it to people. For example, you'll stop and just tell someone what you love about them. And I think those are pretty unique abilities that you have.
1: Aw, thank you, Erica. It's true. I mean, I would love to continue like receiving praise because, like, I'm really good at being humble. Hashtag <laughs> humble. But <laughs> no, but I asked that, uh, I actually asked that question to follow up with another question, you know, oh, because do you, I know, right? I'm like just filling you with questions. Do you think that how others view us impacts the way that we view ourselves?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think people have a strong impact on how people view themselves in both positive and negative ways. One example that came immediately to mind is something that my dad has said to me for as long as I can really remember. He's always said, Erica, you're a leader. And I can even hear him saying that right now. Erica, you're a leader. And, you know, at such a young age, I'm not sure how confident he really was that I was a good leader, but he said it so much. I grew up just thinking that it was part of who I was. So when it came to the opportunities where there needed to be a leader, like in a like group setting or things like that, I felt compelled to step up because I thought that was just what I was supposed to do because he said I was a leader.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's interesting because I just said to your mom a few days ago, like, Erica is such a strong leader. Um, and And... You are <laughs> again. Here we oh go. Oh my goodness! We're to just gonna be like, you're awesome. No, no, no. You're more awesome. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I literally just said this to your mom. But um, and you know, on kind of similar note, but different note, you know, I'm a total nerd, and I also had to study this in college. But um, there is a, a sociologist named Charles Cooley, and he came up with the concept called the looking glass self. Have you ever heard of him or the concept? I've never heard of him.
0: But he sounds cool. Well,
1: because he is really cool. Yeah. I did say she was quirky. Okay.
0: I'm not quirky. <laughs> well,
1: you're not. Okay. But the, um, but the premise of the theory or concept is that our self views are shaped by our perception of other people's opinions about us. So it may not even be the real opinion of that person, but those perceived external views impact us or could impact us in real. And I would say even big ways. And it sounds pretty consistent to what you were saying about your dad, right? You know, in your case, like your dad was saying, like giving you positive affirmation and your perception was that he perceived you as a leader. And in the same way, you know, just think about how many children grow up with feelings of abandonment or rejection or self-hate because of something parents didn't do or say that gave them the impression That they weren't loved, accepted,
0: or valued. You are striking a chord with me right now. This is something that I see so often when I'm working with youth, and you know, I, I, you know, mentor youth, and I've worked with youth for quite a while in different capacities at the uh, church. But this is exactly why I feel God often brings people alongside us to affirm our identity. And you know, let's keep it real. There are those that come to us and deter us from seeing our true identity. But when we get caught up in these worldly perspectives, it causes us not only to live for ourselves, but it often leads us down these paths of depression and heartbreak and disappointment, which is what I often see in youth where they're, you know, definitely thinking that because their parents don't do something or say something, or if their friends don't react in the ways that they want them to that, you know, in, in essence, that means that they're not valued or they're not loved. And it's, so painful to see but I mean I think that's why it's so important that we rely on who God says we are as individuals yeah that's
1: good and in a way it's kind of refreshing because it puts us all on the same level playing field you know because apart from Christ we are all sinners we're all imperfect hostile sinful beings trying to stand right before a holy God But the good news, pun intended, because this is literally the good news, right? Is that according to God's word, God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when we place our faith in Jesus, only then we are in right standing with God. And in scripture, the scripture does remind us that we have now a new self in Christ. So the old is a goner. It is afuera. You know, we are completely made new. And so as Christians, um, we no longer put our identity in the old self or our sinful ways. But now we are giving a new identity. We become a new creation. And now we have a new self. Yeah, that's good. And listen to this. In Ephesians 4, Paul is talking and he's giving instructions for Christian living, right? And he says this, starting with verse 20. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness.
0: That's good. And here's the thing in today's culture, the world throws at us a million messages about who we are in our Facebooks and the ads and everywhere, basically, you look. And we all know that. We've heard that a million times. But I feel like the crux of all of this as Christians is our identity is found clearly in Christ. But I want to take it one step further Mm -hmm. because I've seen often that when we talk about our identity in Christ, we're real quick to share identifiers such as unique and precious and special and which are all true and can be backed up with scripture. And I say us because I am including myself on this because on more than one occasion, I have gone to Pinterest for a cute, quick PDF printable with a list of words that describe our identity in Christ. I legit have done that. But, and I do want to say a quick shout out to Pinterest for making life so much easier with these types of resources. For real. But as I was preparing to talk about this topic today, I wanted to share something that I found in pursuit of understanding our identity in, as Christians. You like how I use the word pursuit there? Yeah. Anyways. Although God does share with us some really comforting identifiers, right, the way we identify ourselves it's easy for us to miss some profound pieces which are foundational to our identity. So here we go. So Paul shares these descriptors when he addresses those in Rome in Romans 1-7. And he says, to those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Here are the three things Paul says here that can be easily missed, but vital to knowing who we are. He said, loved, called, and saints. I've often found myself thinking about my identity in Christ as these positive self-esteem boosting descriptors, right? Gifted, valuable. But when I dissected these three words and think about the context of being loved by God and called by God, my identity is not so much about what I am, but more so what God has done and is doing in me. It's more about us receiving than being.
1: You know, this is interesting because I feel challenged by it um, because you're right. We are loved by God. And, and I guess I I know that, right? I'm with you in that we do have a tendency to look at these like really great descriptors, as opposed to maybe considering these, these pieces. Um, but yeah, you're right. We are loved by God. And again, because we are sinners and we don't deserve his love, but he still chooses to love us in, even if in our selfish, stubborn ways. Right. And we say we, because we're a part of this too, right? Like God loved us when we were unlovable with no merit to our names. And there is nothing that we could possibly do to earn his love. Yet he gives it, and now our love for him is purely a yeah. result of God loving us first. And I understand, you know, why you're saying that this is a foundational truth for our identity.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then being called, meaning he draws us to him, he saves us, he opens our eyes and our hearts to him. You know, that's from John six forty four. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. See, we're a recipient of God's calling in our lives. Again, it's not anything about us, it's about God, God doing the work. And what
1: is He calling us to? Because I also think that when we talk about calling, many times we're talking about a purpose. Yes. But what I'm hearing you say is that the calling is to Himself and also to His divine plan. And I would even say, in the context of this scripture, right? a calling to be, to holiness, yeah. to be a saint.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which is that last one, right? So the saints, meaning yeah. we are set apart for not ours, but God's purposes. This of course, doesn't mean that we're perfect. Paul was given, you know, the Romans and I believe us, a picture of the work God is doing in us and through us when we are saved. And some people call that process sanctification. But you know, when we became Christians, we were set on a path to holiness And this doesn't remove our struggle with sin. Mm -hmm. It just means that we're no longer a slave to our sin. And so when Paul references our identity as a saint, he's giving us a foreshadow of what is to come and fully be completed the day our Lord Christ comes. So he basically takes us to the end game and reminds us of what we are working towards and who we are as our identity.
1: And that's so good. You know, I love, I don't know if you know this, but I love calling the church saints. Uh, my my friend, um, I'm a part of a ministry called Uproar. It's like a, a citywide ministry and I'm part of the lead team there. And I work with this guy. His name is Chris Benitez. And Chris always uh, opens the meetings up with saying, praise the Lord, saints. <laughs> And I like love that because yeah, we are saints and, uh, and I mean, he does it jokingly, but everybody is always like, praise the Lord, you know, and I, I love it because, you know, I'm a total nerd and I love looking up definitions and Mm -hmm. you know what a saint is? Do you know what, like the actual definition of a saint is? No,
0: not the actual definition. I should have thought about looking that up. You're good.
1: Well, so, but I'm, you know, I got you. I right. But you okay, so it is a person who is acknowledged as holy, patient, kind, or virtuous. Mm. And um, and then, you know, for those who want to explore more, virtuous means showing high moral standards. So now let me ask you something, right? Because earlier I asked you for personality traits that define you, and I noticed that you never said you were holy, <laughs> patient, kind,
0: virtuous, or a saint. And my question is, why not? I mean, because that's usually (laughs) not the way I'm used to describing myself.
1: Well, me neither. And that's correct. Because apart from Christ, you're not. And guess what? Neither am I. And I'm so sorry for But neither are you. So sorry Mm -hmm. to burst your bubble. But (laughs) that's why being called a saint is so beautiful. And to your point, right? Because it has nothing to do with us and everything to do with our identity in him and the work that he does in us.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I would say that when I sit back and ask myself, because I did, like after learning about these other, you know, ways to identify ourselves, these foundational ways, I asked myself, why does it matter? What is this supposed to be doing for my life? How should this be changing me? And really, this is what my conclusions came to. It's knowing I'm loved should bring me to a place of humility. Yeah, that's good. And knowing I'm called brings me to a place of repentance and thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And knowing I'm on the path of this holiness gives me the hope to persevere, even in the most difficult situations, because at the end of the day, that's my identity. That's who I am as a daughter of the most high king.
1: And that's great because this is something that I always share with the worship team, right? You know, before we are worship leaders, we are disciples and we are worshipers. And this is important because if my identity is not being a worship leader, then my worship becomes about those that I'm leading and not about him. And in the same way, if my identity is in my instrument, you know, it's what I tell them all the time. If your identity is in your guitar, if it's on your bass, if it's on your drum set, then what happens when you lose a hand, you know, God forbid, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm picking on my team, but it could be anybody, right? Like we have a difficult time recovering and coping because our identity was misplaced. It was, we were worshiping the created things and we weren't worshiping the creator. And in the same way, this is something that I'll be really honest with you, Erica. And you know, as as a parent, maybe you'll understand this, but I worry about parents sometimes because I see parents with their entire identity wrapped around their children or wrapped around the fact that they're a parent. And again, God forbid, bed, you lose a child. Yeah. And then your entire life can come crumbling down because the identity piece was placed on being a parent as opposed to place in Christ. And, you know, as someone who's lost a child, I understand that very well. I remember, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll never forget whenever I lost, you know, my child, I remember one day I was on the bed and I was just, I felt so empty. I mean, I remember just crying and my mom was na- next to me. And I remember feeling this hole in my heart from this loss. And I remember turning to her and I said, Mom, I said, I feel hopeless and I have Christ. I cannot imagine someone who doesn't have Christ going through this same experience. And my mom just kind of nodded, you know, because, yeah, like it's devastating and if your identity is not in Christ, it can really, really take you down the wrong path.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a slippery slope that can easily lead to the things that we've talked about, right? Despair, depression, even a loss of faith when we put our identity in these other things that are around us and not in God's identity that he has for us.
1: Yeah, that's good. And I don't know if you know who Stephanie Singer is. I mean, you impressed me recently by knowing who Taylor Swift was. <laughs> Tay-Tay! <laughs>
0: People gotta be for that. But, like she is not Tay Tay, so that's my new thing. It is not Tay Tay But um, no. seriously, you know I don't know any of these people. <laughs> I understand. But
1: there is a song by Stephanie Singer. She is a I I would say one of the most influential voices in worship leaders currently. She recently released a new album, and in that album there is a song called More to Me. And this is what the chorus says. All of the others they don't matter. You are everything. All of the others, they come after you mean more to me. And every time I hear this song, I'm like, that's rough. And it challenges me Mm -hmm. so much because I know that she is a mother and she is a wife. And in this song, she is professing that Christ is first and that the rest are second. And so, of course, you know, I, I would imagine that her husband and her child are very valuable to her. But if you ever listen to her speak, it is very, very clear that Christ is just simply more to her. And I'm like, man, that's rough. And it's so upstream. It kills my flesh, like not my spirit. It kills my flesh every time I hear it.
0: Yeah, so I have a story. This reminds me of a moment I had with my dad. And I was probably in middle or high school. And I honestly don't remember the full conversation. But what I do remember is him basically making the point that if he had to choose between Christ and me, he would choose Christ hands down. And I was like, what? I did not expect him to say that. And of course, I, for those of you who do not know me, huge daddy's girl have always been. And so for my daddy to say this, I was like, wait, Huh? I honestly thought he was joking at first. And I remember, like, I can remember where he said it. We were in the car, he was driving, and we were going under this bridge. And I, I don't, again, I don't know how we had this conversation, but we did. And it was amazing to see a man love Jesus that much.
1: What do you think that taught you, though?
0: I mean, I think because he, there had to have been something in Christ that good that my dad Mm -hmm. would choose Christ over his family. And that honestly made me even more curious to press into who Christ was at a young age, because I saw my dad choosing this man over me. And yeah, it was, it was crazy. So I can definitely relate to this Singer that I don't even remember her name at the moment that you said, but because that's exactly you know I was like, how could my dad like he give up me? How can someone
1: love his child so much that he's willing to give up his one son for the sake of humanity? Dude, I'm just saying, like God loved us first; He gave everything we meant more to him so much so that he gave his son so that we could be reconciled back to him so that we can have a new brand spanking new identity and so what then
0: shall we conclude <laughs> oh wow you sound like paul writing to the romans <laughs> i
1: I'm talking to the pursuants. Oh, oh,
0: snap. Okay. (laughs) Yes, (laughs)
1: no, but in all seriousness, you know, you're absolutely right. We are loved and we are called and we are saints. And I think the point that you are making today, which I think is so important, is that, yeah, like when we're considering our identity in Christ, let's not look to those identifiers for the sake of feeling better about ourselves, although that will come because that's the blessing God gives us but to look to him so that we can truly, truly understand who he says that we are.
0: Yeah. Amen. So this week I say that we challenge our pursuers to pursue Christ with us, search God's word, his word, and meditate on who he says you are. And again, not only those that boast our spirits, but also those that remind us of being a recipient of God's finished work. And there's so many treasures to find as you explore more on this topic.
1: Yeah, that's good. And so we want to thank you all for listening and we want to thank you again for going upstream with us. We hope that these conversations enlighten you, that they challenge you and um, that they motivate you to seek Christ even more. And so we hope that you have a blessed week and let's stand for truth, pursuers.